In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome my guests, Pam Scobie from John Doe and Ali Finley from The Lane Agency. Both Ali and Pam have extensive experience in running successful marketing agencies and having been agency founders and owners since the late 2000s, have had a ringside seat at both the rapid evolution of digital marketing and social media and the economic highs and lows within that time. Today, we talk about everything from the spark which inspired both of them to start their agencies, some challenges faced as they've built their businesses and some of the opportunities they foresee on the horizon as the last couple of years of events have accelerated both technological and cultural change within our marketing landscape. I'm Barry Fern, and this is the Leading Conversations podcast, brought to your ears wherever you're listening, in partnership with the Marketing Society Scotland and the Lane Agency. I'm delighted to welcome my extra special guest this week, Pam Scobie from John Doe and Ali Finlay from the Lane Agency. Pam is the Chief Creative Officer at John Doe, a creative agency with offices in Glasgow, London and Manchester. She has worked in marketing for over 20 years and has led a creative team for a decade. Having started the agency as Wire in 2010, she merged with John Doe to create the John Doe Group in 2020. A Fellow of the Marketing Society, a mentor with One Month Mentors, PR Week Creative and at Stirling University, Pam is passionate about purpose, especially in supporting underrepresented groups reach leadership levels in marketing. Ali is the Chief Executive of The Lane Agency, a creative and media agency based in Edinburgh. Like Pam, she has also worked in marketing for over 20 years, initially in-house with a large retail group, before she founded The Lane Agency in 2008. Like Pam, Ali is a fellow fellow of the Marketing Society and she continues to drive the diversity agenda. She is a creative entrepreneur, passionate about helping Scottish food brands grow and anything and everything to do with rural business and animals. Hi Pam, hi Ali and welcome to the first ever Leading Conversations podcast. Hi Barry. Hi Barry. Thank you for having us. No problem. So starting from the start, let's rewind a little and go back to the beginning of your careers for the benefit of our listeners. How did you embark on your careers in marketing? Pam? I definitely did not have a linear path in uh, in getting to the position that I'm in now. Um, I uh, My parents had me when they were teenagers and uh, don't come from money, hadn't visualised myself in marketing, didn't really know what marketing was actually. Mm. Um, it was not something that I had someone that I could look to and say, gosh, that's the job that I want. But I really love talking. I was talking about it when I was a kid. And um, anyway, went to university. It was a really big thing to get that opportunity for, within you know our family. Nobody had done it before. And um, and I totally flunked it, and I felt like a real failure, and I wasn't quite sure where to go next, um, and so I had a, a crisis of confidence when I was in my early twenties, um, and just really felt like I had that kind of label as as a failure um, from really early on. But I had to make money, and I had to pay my bills, and I had to pay for my rent, and um, and so I had a million different jobs, and I took work experience everywhere and anywhere and eventually landed myself a, a job and through that journey ended up meeting um, Lee um, this was a really long while ago this is um, gosh 22 years ago something like that um, and we got on famously both as friends and as colleagues worked together for another 10 years after that or almost 10 years um, at which point I left the job that we were both in um, to go and have a baby and she left to go to LA 
she definitely got the more glamorous end of the bargain there. That's but, yeah. fascinating, Pam. Thank, thank you for that. And and Ali, what about yourself? How did you embark on your career? Is there any similarities to, to Pam's story? Um, yeah, there are some similarities in that. I, I never really had it in my sights that I was going to run a business. And I mean, I left home. I was brought up in the country teaching households so no no business people really in our family and went to uni at 16 at Stirling loved it quickly swapped from a business and French degree to pure marketing so just loved the advertising um courses and then got I had a couple of stints um that I really loved traveling so I, I was in America for four months and then I did a management training thing in in Finland and Isaac placement and loved both of them. They were great roles that helped me develop a love of travel as well. And then um, I got recruited off the milk round to work for the Royal Bank, and I was just really a square peg in a round hole there. It was um, so slow compared to what I'd loved about marketing at uni. And I remember sitting there one day, I was sending out cash line cards and thinking, you know, is this what a graduate programme supposed to be doing, sending out 500 cash line cards? And so I saw this job for a marketing exec in a motor retail group you know I, I never even loved cars and I went for it um, got that job and on my first day ended up in an attic above a, a motor body shop actually a repair shop and I was on my own in there and they were like oh right so we want you to start you're the first marketing recruit we want you to start marketing for the group and that's where I started um, and I spent quite a few years there because I built a marketing team there essentially an in-house agency and also um, a call centre in Glasgow which was you know um, great because it, you saw the whole customer journey and um, it was just so exciting there and there, there was always a reason to leave but um, because it was you know it was a growing business but uh, there just always a new challenge and I was supporting the heir to the to the business there who became my um, best friend and I from a career perspective, I should have left years before. But we had so much fun running the business and growing it at 160 million turnover by that point. And we were just loving it. Um, he was 39 and I was excited to be on his board and support him when he took over. And um, one night he he just, um, he died playing football with my husband, um, playing five sides at only 39 years old. And um, with his death, everything changed within the company. But his dad... Um, you know, it took a few years or a year or so um, to sort of get back on our feet. And his dad came to me and said, you know, I, I understand that you um, will probably want to move on, but you've always been a real entrepreneur. You've got an entrepreneur in you and I'll support you if you um, decide to set up your own business. I'll be your first client and, and, and help you. Um, you've been amazing to our family and our business. So I'd like to support you. So that's how we started the lane wow. um, together. So again, a bit of a strange start. You know, to the to the agency. What a fascinating but sad way, you know, ultimately yeah. to kind of create that in, initial spark. So if we move on from those kind of formulative years uh, in your twenties, probably, what then inspired you to start that business, Ali? You've touched on this al already, but but Pam, you talked about meeting Lee. Like, where where did that spark kind of first come from? And tell me about the scenario in terms of you know how the plan was initially hatched to launch Wire. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sound really mercenary again, but um, I've already talked about paying my bills and I needed to pay my bills. And so, do you know, I think it was 
I'm I'm half joking. Um, I think it was the meeting of two things. Uh, the, the industry started to change massively. And so social media, which hadn't really been a thing, started to become much more of an exciting channel. And, you know, I'd always been really interested in creativity. I've always been a really creative person. Um, but with the industry background that I had being in PR, was very much seen within the industry as being a PR girl, which used to drive me absolutely insane. It still does drive me insane if I ever hear that term. And I think historically, I mean, we're, we're getting better at it as an industry, but we've been really good at keeping people in silos. And what I saw with the introduction of social media um, was the ability to take a really great idea and be much more channel neutral with it. And, um, and I felt like I couldn't really claim claim my place at a kind of advertising table at that point still felt as if in terms of the hierarchy of agencies like we were we were towards the bottom of that rung um and I just thought well what if we could do things differently and I, I, I was I just had a baby I was the kind of sole income in, in our house at that point and um and it was kind of now or never I was just about to turn 30 and I just thought well I need to roll the dice and see what what happens with this I've, I know I, I mean, gosh, I think I doubt myself in so many ways, but I also know what I'm good at. And at that point in my life, I thought, well, I know I'm really good at this. And I either go for something that is stable and slow and, you know, it gives me a good income for my child and my new family, or I give it a chance and, and see what might come from it. And that's what we did. And we came back from LA and we were having similar conversations kind of every day. And we just thought, well, why don't we, why don't we do it together? And I'm guessing, knowing Lee a little as I do, I'm guessing that you could see the complementary skill sets there and like where you could oh, yeah. spark off of each other. I mean, you know, we we have been in the phenomenally lucky position not only to have worked together for years before, but honestly, and Lee, I have found like my business soulmate. Um, and I apologise to Sarah and Stephen, and my partner, her wife, um, because of course they are our, our first and foremost. Um, they are our soulmates, but you know, I. I I've just, I lucked out, I won the jackpot when I met Lee and um, we were both working freelance and I guess just leaning on one another for support every day, you know, what do you think of this and how would you, um, you know, tackle this problem and it just felt like all of the things that I lack in, she's really, really strong in and I would like to think that I compliment her too and, and so we just thought, well, why don't we give it a go, six months, we'll both be freelance and Fortunately enough, um, as soon as we started, it just all kicked off in a really positive way, and it's never has never really stopped. So great to hear. And uh, and uh, Ali, you mentioned there the, the the spark potentially being John at the time, or or yours and John's close working relationship, and of course his father, who who kind of helped that start. T tell us a bit more about the start of the Lane Agency and how that came about, and and maybe some of those early days. Yeah, so I think um, really similar to Pam, it was the growth of digital and social that really got me excited. And I knew it was something that I was good at. And I actually loved the challenge. Um, you know, when people, you know, when you tell people that they have to sp start spending on advertising budgets and when you tell people back then that they need a website and they need to embrace social channels, they actually met you with real hostility and challenge in boardrooms because they didn't want to hear it. They, you know, they wanted to tell you it was a passing fad. Um, and I loved that challenge of convincing them and showing them and evidencing that it wasn't a passing fad. But I wasn't as lucky as Pam in meeting my ideal business partner at that time so there was many times that I felt really alone in the business and 
and not aligned with anyone in particular um, in terms of culturally. And I've been so lucky these last six, seven, eight to 10 years um, that I've had really good business partners come through the business that have, have started in lower positions and, and grown with me. Obviously, yourself, Barry, on, on Lane Media, when we met, you were a consultant and all things digital, and that was super exciting. But it just, it took me longer. And I, you know, that was my only regret that I didn't have a real brilliant running mate in those very early days. That's fascinating. I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on this uh, a little bit more uh, as we continue our conversation today but I'm really keen to sort of understand some of the steep learning curves that you had in those early days you know those first six 12 months of the business you know was it was it finance or sales or what what was the biggest challenge you know way back in the in the first year of startup um (laughs) do you know I'm laughing to myself because it wasn't within the first six months it probably the first big learning was maybe two years in and um, and I'm going to call it naivety and, and not arrogance. We just thought, oh, we've got this all, you know, sewn up. Like we we know what to do. We've circumvented all of the problems. Like we've just got a really good team. And um, and I think the first challenge that, that we kind of really identified, which is a challenge we've come back to time and time and again, is that creativity needs structure. And so because Lee and I have this really intuitive relationship, and because we are both really creative people, it meant things like processes, a promotion plan, how to submit your expenses. Like all of those things were not the priority for us in, in the beginning of the business. And I think every business um, goes through cycles and we definitely have had cycles of growth where we've just um, had a growth spurt. Um, and with those growth spurts, um, we have then realise that there's been a greater requirement for clear structure, clear strategy and a real clear framework so that we can bring our team with us uh, um, and so that they feel really invested in the vision that we've got. I think that probably was the, the kind of biggest challenge and and the the challenge with most longevity that we've had, but we didn't get it actually until maybe kind of two years in. Again, you know, fascinating and I can certainly... Uh... Uh, see some of those things in terms of my own experience too. Uh, Ali, learning curves, you know, challenges in, in that first year, two years of, of, of starting and running the business. I think um, um, for us, I've, I can definitely identify with um, Pam's uh, mention of lack of structure because, you know, I'm obviously creative by nature, marketeer. <laughs> I'm not a great lover of processes and um, procedures. And um, luckily, some of the the people that I met later in our development brought that kind of structure to the business later because I certainly didn't excel in that area at all. But I think for us, we started in 2008 and we'd operated as a couple of years as a subsidiary, had some learnings there, but we'd really been mollycoddled because we didn't have rent to pay and things like that. And um, we rented our office that was too big for us um you know we rented an office that was for 30 40 people when there was only eight of us because we were so naive about our growth and then only to then you know come summer 2008 every single phone call was a cancelled website a cancelled project cancelled you know brochure or annual report because of the recession and it was terrifying um you know we couldn't afford to put in partitions in the office at that time so i was looking up the room taking these really difficult phone calls and and trying not to look 
terrified to the people that I had working with us. Um, and I was just thinking, oh my God, you know, how are we going to pay their wages? How are we going to make the rent? And that was a scary time. And it was at that time that we learned to be really, really lean. And um, we stayed lean and been in control of our costs. Um, so I guess that the big learning for us there was, you know, we should have started small. We should, should have started with small costs, you know, and, and started the size we were and then had growth funded by business rather than having to reverse engineer your costs to fit the business. So that was a steep learning curve. And it was amazing to look back after those. And they were really terrifying weeks um, that we still grew that year. But we grew because we we got our costs under control, which mm. was. I think that's so interesting, actually, though, because it shows that timing is everything. Because we didn't start the business, so we planned the business in two thousand nine and we launched it in two thousand and ten. So actually, just to be a really small startup of two people, that was a great time for us exactly. because actually, loads of totally yeah. and loads of clients were looking for probably a bit cheaper, um, and uh, you know, uh, and definitely a bit more nimble. Um, yeah. Whereas. Obviously, with COVID, it's actually the first time for us that we have experienced something yeah. of that magnitude. But I can only imagine what it was like to be an, an agency and, and go through uh, the recession. Well, COVID was so similar to 2008 mm. because, but it was just like 2008 on speed. You know, it, it, it was just with COVID, you got all those calls within one week, whereas in 2008, you got all those calls over a depressing, you know, yeah. few month period where everything was bad news. Um, you know, but at COVID, it was just really very, very similar, but at a much higher speed. But yeah, we'd been through it before. It felt very, very similar. So you knew what to do. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of parallels with, with COVID. And again, we'll come back to that as part of today's conversation. You know, Pam and I were just talking about earlier kind of off microphone and 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 about the emotional time that that was for you know business leaders you know agency uh, founders um and and kind of how quickly that suddenly changed everything um albeit now we might be able to look back a little bit more fondly over uh, that time that we had with our families certainly at the time it was a very emotionally charged uh, difficult period but um, we'll come back to that shortly i'd just like to take us on this bit of a journey kind of through your your careers before we touch back on covid um, and i'm very fortunate today to be talking to two you know inspirational uh, female agency founders that uh, i've been fortunate enough to to work with over the years but there is a reality to me certainly that whilst progress has been made in recent years that female agency leaders in particular still seem to be a bit underrepresented across the industry as a whole. So I'd quite like to touch on some of those challenges again. You know, Pam, you mentioned earlier, PR girl being a bit mm. of a overused term back in the days. Just quite interested to hear your firsthand experiences of how you think things might have changed for the better and where potentially there's still work to be done. Yeah, I'm laughing because um, this was years and years ago. Uh, Steve, my uh, partner, and me were on holiday and we met an, another couple at dinner and they asked what I did and I said that I was in PR and they said, oh, you know, our daughter is too. She, she's got a whole heap of different cat suits she wears to different um, festivals and she's just amazing sampling work. Now, that is not to demean the work that she did, but honestly, that that was, that's, you know, I would go to... I've almost always worked on whiskey clients and I would go to whiskey events as a peer, as a really experienced peer, and it would be thought that I would be the sampling girl. So, no, it hasn't been easy. And I really feel like 
there have been points where I've really had to have my elbows out. I remember the first time that I described myself as a creative director and it was um, to someone who I'd worked with in the past um, who was male, established a creative director and he laughed in my face. And honestly, though, see, for me, that is the fuel to my fire mm. is underestimate me. And like, that, I love it. Right. But that is not the case for everybody. And like, I, I recognise how fortunate I am right now to be in a position where I can help accelerate that that change. But for me, it's it's not just, it's really important from a female perspective, but it's everyone who's been under or misrepresented. Like there's a much, much bigger change that needs to be made at leadership. And we are now in the position where we can look to, you know, I can sit here with Ali and a number of other um, female agency founders who I respect so much, but there are very few black female um, agency founders you know I can't look at one trans uh, agency founder and so there is a, a huge amount of work that still needs to be done and, and I really hope that through the experiences I'm sure Ali will have had very similar that, that we can be part of making that change that's great insight Pam and, and a really good point you know I, I don't want to labour the point but it, it is important to talk about you know the whole breadth of diversity in this context in terms of underrepresentation of of leaders within our within our sector Ali any, anything you want to add to this conversation about kind of your experiences and and maybe how we have managed to fast forward a little albeit there is you know still clearly quite a long way to go yeah I mean I had years of being referred to as the marketing girl when I used to um you know go and represent the company at something and and I was brought up as a woman in a man's world in the motor industry and the only female in the senior um, leadership team there. So I developed really, really pointy elbows behind a, a big smile so I could catch people unawares um, like you, Pam. But And you needed them because you need real grit to start a business. And back when, when I started it in 2008, I think it, it was it was harder possibly than it is than it is now. As a female founder, there was very much a, an old boys network, a, you know, a golf network a, mm -hmm. um, that I wasn't a part of. Um, but I actually found that um, being a female lead, and at that time, many more other women coming through as clients, senior marketing clients, you know, marketing buyers who were equally fed up with um, similar situations, then you could build really strong relationships with these women. They had similar stories, albeit on the client side. And, you know, I've, I've come through the, the business with them. Um, so that was helpful. That's not to say I don't have great relationships with lots of male clients and um, male colleagues, because I had always worked with men, but you know it was certainly an advantage in some settings. Yeah, I think I think that shared experience. Also, I mean, gosh, I think the one of the, personally, I think one of the greatest kind of lies we've ever been told is that we can have it all. You know, I really grew up thinking I want to have a brilliant job, and I, you know, I also want to have a really happy family, and and that has been the the, the biggest challenge for me was thinking, well, how the hell do I do this when, you know, I. I like childcare is so expensive and you've got two parents out working and and it is really 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 difficult for women to find themselves in leadership positions because of all of those reasons and actually though I mean there are lots of things that that we can be doing as businesses but it's a much bigger societal um, issue I just think there's we do still have a lot to do there yeah. but there is a shared experience if you are 
if you're juggling all those plates and you're really trying to do your best that you can when you meet another woman who's in that position I just feel so much empathy for her exactly (laughs) and I think you're right you know like there was this quest at that time to have it all and you felt like you were failing if you couldn't quite spin all those plates at once um, and I think there's a much better recognition now that there's there can be a different structure to your week, a different balance to your week, so that you can be there for the important things with the children and still run your your business. And I certainly didn't have that at the beginning of of running the lane. I, I missed an awful lot of really important times with my children and I'd like to think that the women that I employ now and the women that I mentor, you know, don't have to make some of those hard choices and don't have to prioritize in that way like I did. So I think to kind of summarize in terms of the opportunities that that we're now seeing as as business and industry plays catch up, it sounds like openness and and shared experiences with other people in similar environments, you know, might be part of the solution as we move forward over the next few years and in the future. Yeah, I I think openness is important, but I think also just identifying what is the change that you can make that will make that difference to the the generation of people who are coming up behind you. I think um, one of the things that that we've done is change our parental policy so that um, men can take the same parental leave that women can um, with exactly the same benefits um, and with the same conditions. And part of the reason why we did that is not only is it the fair and equitable thing to do, it's also because it is then the more and more agencies, the more and more businesses that start to do that, the more able it is for women um, who maybe are in a breadwinner position within their family to feel like they can um, they can share some of those other um, responsibilities that they have within their home with their partner. Um, that definitely was in the position that I was in my my. Um, partner in the place that he worked felt like he couldn't say I'm taking six months off to look after um, you know our son which he eventually did but you know it was really really hard for him to do that and so I think for female agency leaders there are small but really significant changes that we can make to have a that kind of um, seismic difference um, overall. Great insight. Um, really appreciate you you both uh, sharing that. Let's uh, let's get on to some fun stuff. So, really keen just to sort of touch back on some of the highlights of your your career, or certainly your career in uh, in running a business. You know, what are you most proud of? What kind of campaigns do you look back on fondly, or nights out with the team celebrating award wins? You know, tell us about some of your your favourite memories from the last ten years or so of running the businesses. I don't know whether, Ali, you want to kick off. I feel like it, probably most of mine are memories that I couldn't share in this podcast. <laughs> um, I really, really miss our Friday bar uh, in the office. No, what would be our, our favourite memories? There are so many and I count myself incredibly lucky um, to have a team that I've made these kind of lifelong memories with. Do you know what? I think probably one of the things, and this happened years and years and years ago, one of the, the first um, kind of big moments for the agency that was just... A brilliant night of celebration was when we won our first Marketing Society Award. And I think we were maybe only three years old, two or three years old at that point. What was amazing about that was um, just looking at people round the table who all felt like they were just part of a crew um, who were, you know, really clear in where we were going and why we were going in that direction and that we were getting some recognition for all of the hard work and the sacrifice and, you know, the long hours that we were putting in. That that definitely was the, the first time that we thought, OK, right, we're on to something here and it's and it's worth it. 
Ali, what about you? It's funny that you should say that because um, I have great memories of the team um, the night that we won the Marketing Society Star Awards where we had a bit of a raft of them and it was a, a great moment for the team. And I remember feeling quite bashful and modest about it and, and it's probably a bit of that imposter syndrome um, thing that everybody talks about. You know, I just remember thinking, oh, you know, did, oh, did we really deserve to win that? And did I really deserve to win that? And, um, you know, everybody was telling you that you did and and it was fantastic. And that there was a bit of a step change for us at that time. And I guess the other big highlights for me actually probably feel quite small for other people, but the highlights for me have been, you know, the first time um, that a client's had, you know, a properly engaging website or the first time mm-hmm. a brand's gone on television or the first time, you know, that they've really stepped out from, you know, behind where they've been before and they've done made a step change and being part of that's always really amazing. Um, and I love that part of growing brands. And in latter years, um, the big highlights for me as being an agency owner is being able to go on holiday and not be on the phone to the agency every single day because at last I've got a team of people around me that are, you know, steering the ship. And that's just an amazing feeling that you can actually relax and be with your family and not feel torn. Yeah. So those are the big rewarding moments, I think. Yeah. I think, do you know what I think that's, I think that's so true. And I love what you said about, about seeing a kind of client succeed because, you know, I love creativity. I love coming up with ideas. But for me, I only really get the satisfaction when they work. Like the mm. whole point is yeah. that, you know, it's this is not creativity for vanity's sake. You have a problem to solve. And I love when you see the impact of creativity in the real world. That is, that always feels like a thrill even now. But just coming back actually to kind of a more recent memory would be, we went through a merger um, when we were in the midst of a pandemic. And so we had a team in London uh, we had a small team in Manchester and then we had a, our team in Glasgow who had to knit together over a year and a half, mostly without ever meeting one another. And that was hard. But last year we had, I think, I'm trying to think because, you know, during the pandemic, you kind of lose your sense of time. You know, I, can, I actually can't remember whether, whether yeah. it was uh, 12 months ago or 18 months ago. Yeah. But anyway, our first big get together was everyone came up to Scotland and we got a boat and we went on Loch Lomond and kind of, you know, just had a riot and what was incredible was standing back from that and seeing how well I mean not just from an ego perspective seeing everybody in the room and thinking gosh this is like the the new chapter of of the business what was amazing was seeing the relationships that everybody had built up over that time in a really really challenging um, environment Uh, but they genuinely had bonded and you could feel just brilliant energy in the room and I, I think that is by far my most that's kind of my biggest high over the the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, we saw that in, in 2008 and then, you know, around the time of the of Brexit and the independence referendum actually were the other more challenging times in the business before COVID. And in each of those sort of low periods, it was really the grit of people that really knitted together and, and pushed forward. That's when you see the real metal within your agency, the mm-hmm. people that are really, you know, your la- we call them our laners, you know, who really demonstrate that tenacity and that, you know, determination to stick together, support one another and succeed. And those low points actually give, you know, they reveal these people to you. And, so, and sometimes you get surprises yeah. um, in that. And it, it's great. I think that is a really rewarding part of owning a yeah, business. I mean, keeping culture going has been 
I mean, that's been a struggle. Nobody knew how to do it. I mean, it's everything. We've had to learn so much over the past couple of years. And I still think, you know, most of us won't have done it perfectly um, because what culture looks like and what it feels like to people is, is just, a, it is not having your Friday night bar. It's not having a pool table in the office. It's actually about um, really investing in people, making sure that they can really feel like you, you care about them. And, um, and I think just just making things feel a bit more human, but that is hard to do through a screen. And and we do miss, I mean, even coming today and kind of sitting with you guys, like it's just lovely to, to feel people's energy and there's no substitute for that. But yeah, we're, we're I think, I think we're good. Yeah. So it's fair to summarise without going into loads of detail about the peaks and troughs of the challenges of the last couple of years, that there's been major challenges within our industry, within our businesses, but ones that clearly, you know, collectively we've, we've certainly overcome and hopefully that's the case for, for a lot of our listeners today too. But I'm really interested as business leaders um, what you might have learned about yourselves in the challenges over the last couple of years that maybe you weren't really aware of before, you know, something that you have become more aware of because of the the nature of the uh, the realities that we've faced over the, the last two years. I mean, we've all been through very different experiences, but nobody has sailed through the past two years and, and just kind of, it's been like waters and water off a duck's back. So what have I learned about myself? Um, I, I mean, firstly, I think I'm more grateful than I ever have been before. I'm super grateful for having the agency. I'm really grateful for having a roof over my head and for my children to be healthy. Like I feel like particularly the first six months really put all of that um, under the microscope. And um, I would like to think that that's something that that kind of real appreciation for for what I have and has continued. I think I'm probably a bit more vulnerable than I was before. I am, I, you know, I'm always somebody who would just put on a bit of armour to go to work. And, um, and because we have all gone through this remarkable thing that's happened, you really had to step outside yourself and think about what someone else is feeling, thinking, um, the impact of it on them. And really kind of, as I mentioned earlier, really connect with them on a human level. Mm. Um, I think that's been really helpful. I mean, we've all, you can see it with the great resignation. We're all asking ourselves, well, what do we want out of life? And um, and so I think that probably has been something that I've learned about myself is that it's okay to show a little bit more vulnerability. Um, and I've tried, I continue, I'm on a journey. Barry, I continue to try and do that, but um, but really kind of look at other people's vulnerabilities too and not see that as a weakness, just see that as a as an opportunity to connect with someone. Yeah, 100%. And again, kind of off air, we were having a conversation about openness and transparency. And, you know, Ali will know, I, I use this line that, you know, I'm, I'm an open book and I'm so transparent and one day it's going to bite me on the bum, but it hasn't done so in 25 years in, in business thus far. So maybe it never will. And maybe the last couple of years for me is, has, has kind of just, you know, compounded that point that it's okay to just share and to be collaborative and to, you know, talk to your peers and be really open about things. And not that I ever had any concerns about that before, but I think yeah. for other people, other contemporaries, there may be more on that same page as before. So clients working even closer in collaboration with agencies, agencies working in even closer collaboration with other yeah. agencies is certainly yeah, yeah. something that, that I've seen in the last couple of years. And I think it's super important moving forward yeah listen i i agree and uh, you know i mean one thing i would say though is there are so many positives that come out of it and we've all had to really fight to find those positives and and make the best of a situation 
I don't I don't just want to be disingenuous though. So I think that one of the other things I've probably learned about myself is that I am um not always very present. I've been really distracted. Your brain is kind of, you know, whether it's you're on Slack and you're on WhatsApp and you're doing your emails and, you know, sometimes you're on a Zoom, but you're also thinking about something else or writing something else. And I think that has been a massive challenge for the past two years. And it really has. I've always got, I've got a very noisy brain. I always have done. Um, and that has not helped me over the past couple of years. So I'm really trying to um, stay a bit more single-minded and a bit more in the room with people. Um, it sounds like somebody else I know. Oh God. Oh, really? <laughs> I was just thinking, oh, oh my Ali. God. She's describing me. <laughs> um, but I guess that was a big learning uh, for me that it was okay to be vulnerable. I think this is the first, you know, COVID was probably the first low where I was okay about sharing the fact that I was scared too, mm-hmm. you know. And um, But I guess I had the experience to know that if you, you know, if you hook together, you can, you can get through it and try to share that with people and um, it was quite a challenging period for me because I I was already in a role where I had quite a light touch with everybody in the team that involved being in the office and lightly touching lots of different projects and spending most of my time with clients so when we went into lockdown you know I just couldn't do those light touches you weren't hearing those ambient things that went on so you had to make real time to um, spend time with some of the younger people in the team and make occasions that you could mentor them and hear what they were struggling with and I think like you said Pam like the gratefulness for me I had always been all about the clients you know client first and always been really um, grateful to my clients but I, I, I don't think that I was as grateful um, to my team as I could have been until, and I think the pandemic really shone a light on that for me. And I was so grateful to the team for the way that they behaved, the energy that they brought, um, because it was hard mm-hmm. being motivated and being at your desk at the, you know, at the right time and, you know, prioritizing the right things when you had so many distractions um, at home. So, yeah, I, I think gratefulness has been a real learning during the pandemic, especially to, to your own team as well as, you know, to yeah. your suppliers and the people around you. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Thanks for your candor and that uh, fantastic insight. It's really important to kind of hear that firsthand, I think, and I can resonate with a lot of uh, that that's that's been shared today. On a slightly more surreal note, I'd like to bring us to a kind of fantasy marketing land. So let's delve into a slightly more surreal scenario, but still connected to our marketing stratosphere. So I'm going to paint a scenario. You're having a dinner. You're not hosting. So there's none of that stress. Uh, instead, you're going to one of your favourite places where you love the food and you feel at home. You're allowed three fantasy guests from the world of marketing and business. Oh, God, three. Who are your guests and oh, why? Who are the guests? Well, first of all, I mean, going out for dinner. Uh, I mean, with three people, that's just a treat. I'm up for that. Um, who would the three people be that I would go for? Um, one of the people would be a creative called Kemi Anthony. Don't know her but know of her. I'm, one of, I'm a bit of a cyber stalker of people who I really admire. Um, she is a creative at Ikea and the work that she's done, I mean, just Ikea's marketing campaigns are just Amazing. joy though, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're fantastic. But she's a working mum and she's really driven these incredible campaigns. I'd love to pick her, her brain. She's just fab. Who else would I have? I would probably have Zoe Scammon. 
I hope I pronounced her name right, um, someone who I follow on Twitter. She is really into like fandoms and blockchain and has just got this amazing brain. She's super, super intelligent. Um, and I would love to speak to her just about what the future of connection looks like. And her creativity is shown in, in quite a different way. It's quite a scientific way, but it's creativity nonetheless. Who would I have as my third? I Lee, surely. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, of course. Like Lee and Gin, I really should have put both of them in there. So Gin is my other business partner. And as much as I've bigged up Lee, he is amazing and, and has been an absolute gift over the past uh, couple of years. Uh, do you know what? There's a guy actually who, so strictly speaking, he's not, um, he's not in marketing, but I look to him all the time for campaigns. It's a guy called Tim Urban. He has got a blog called Wait But Why?, um, and he just writes these incredibly thought-provoking pieces about human experience and asks big questions and poses things in just different frameworks that get you kind of different perspective. I, like having a lot of different perspectives around a table, different perspectives is the thing that makes me excited as a creative. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like is that a fun choice, the three of them? It definitely would be an interesting Sounds dinner. Amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you have four. It's okay. Fine. All right. It's okay. Fine. Thank you. <laughs> Ali, same question. Well, um, so I've got in my head that Pam's got half the table yeah. <laughs> and I'm really inspired by the people that are on Pam's half the table. So I'm thinking about who would be nice to throw into that mix to spice it up a bit. So I was thinking about Bobby Pickard, the founder and CEO of Trans in the City. And I'd just love to hear... Um, about their experience. Um, they were the first openly out trans person who closed the city's markets in 2021. So I just can't imagine the stories uh, they'd have to tell. So that would be one. And and just because of the period we've come out of, I was thinking about Sarah Gilbert, the co-founder and non-executive vax tech known for the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. So, I mean, the, she mm -hmm. must have some amazing stories to tell about the pressure they were under and all the you know loops that they had to jump through. But then I'd like to throw someone into the mix that might ask some controversial or say some controversial things, you know, like a Deborah Maiden or a um, Michelle Moan or a Karen Brady type, you know, sort of. I was with you until you said grit. Michelle Moan. <laughs> you know, just, just someone like controversial, yeah, 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 like yeah, you yeah. could get a real Love sparky scrap. No problem. At the I'm, table. I'm available for the dinner. <laughs> Yeah, um, no, I love it. Do you know what? I love that mix. And I think what you said is like people who can just tell great stories. Yeah. Um, because that's the that's the job that we're in, right? And yeah. and actually just hearing from different experiences. And, you know, I don't think you can ever not be entertained by uh, just having an open ear at a, a dinner yeah. with interesting people. Yeah. People from different perspectives and like, e even controversial. You know, I just love the challenge of that. You know, just yeah. that it, they, they might learn something different. Yeah, that night we all might learn something different. Well, listen, it's been absolutely fascinating having you both on the Leading Conversations podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining me. I hope our listeners have enjoyed our candid conversation and that there's a nugget or two from the experiences that you've both shared that our listeners may recall and refer back to in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Barry Fern, on the Leading Conversations podcast. I've been speaking to Pam Scobie from John Doe and Ali Finley from The Lane Agency. If you've enjoyed this Leading Conversations podcast, head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, or search Leading Conversations wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts.